Well, hey, it's the one and only Dustin Christensen coming to you live and direct, not on tape. That one's for you, Don. And welcome to the CB Rodeo Show. We're talking about nothing but rodeo, cowboys, and the Western lifestyle. Well, today I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm sitting here in my room, at my house, by myself. And I'm going to record a one-on-one just with me, by myself. Well, that obviously, you know, you know what I'm trying to say here. So I get asked all the time. I get asked on a regular basis. Uh, when people ask me what I do for work, and I say, well, I'm a rodeo announcer, I'm an auctioneer, and as of this year, I'm a rodeo clown. On top of that, I do this podcast, and in the winter time, well, I drive semi-trucks to stay busy. But I get asked, though, well, how did you ever get into the whole, how did you get into all of that? And well, it's it's a long story. And now I'm not I'm not doing this to talk myself up or anything like that. Like I said, it's just something I get asked all the time and well, I'm going to answer that. So basically well, let me back up a little bit. So when I was a, when I was a kid, a young kid, uh me and my sister, Allison, um We'd, we'd sit together, and one of the things that we'd do together, and I don't know if my parents know this or not, but we'd sit there and pretend to be radio DJs. And we'd always get into arguments about, um, you know, what... I always wanted to play, you know, Waylon Jennings and, you know, all that, all that music. Um, basically what everybody calls... Or whatever it describes to me as old man country music. Why are you listening to old man country music? <laughs> Personally, I think it's the best country music, but, and she'd always want to play, you know, uh, pop and everything like that. And, but I always thought it would have been fun to be a radio DJ. And then let's fast forward a little bit to when I was about, Oh, I think I was about 14 or 15. I watched the movie American graffiti and I don't know if everybody listening out there has ever seen that movie, but they had uh, Wolfman Jack on there. You know, the crazy DJ, the um, world-renowned DJ. He was an actual DJ uh, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And I remember watching American Graffiti and hearing him and thinking, man, that guy is cool. And well, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, you know, I was talking a little bit of history with, um, actually it was the Reckless Rooster. I'm kind of a history nerd. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things about history I love is, like, the start of rock and roll, you know, all the guys that took part in that, you know, and, and so then later in, I watched uh, good morning Vietnam with Robin Williams played Adrian Cronown, the, um, the DJ, um, out in Vietnam during the war. And he was just wild and crazy too. And then going back to the history, you know, rock and roll got started with, um, 
well, obviously, with, you know, Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, and then Chuck Berry and all those guys. Well, the way they got famous was from the DJs, you know, um, for example, Dewey Phillips, uh, was a really famous DJ. He was one of the first DJs to ever play rock and roll over the radio. On top of that, um, Captain Midnight was his name. He got fired from a radio sta- uh, radio station on his very last day. He only played Waylon Jennings. You know that those type of DJs and st- those crazy guys. I always thought that would have been fun to do. Well, obviously in today's day and age, that is not that's not a thing anymore. That uh, it's kind of it's died off. You have radio DJs or you know talk radio show hosts, but they're not that wild and crazy. And I always thought that would have been really fun to have been around that. Um, but in general, when I was really young, I was fairly quiet. Um, it wasn't until high school, actually junior high, I got into FFA, and I was in FFA from seventh grade to my senior year of high school. Well, FFA taught me about public speaking. I held a bunch of different officer positions. Really taught me good public speaking. Doesn't show very well on this podcast here. I gotta say, you know, I gotta give credit to a lot of podcast guys who can sit there and talk to themselves. It's a little bit different rather than talking to someone else. But, so anyway, when I was about 14 years old, so I raised pigs in FFA. Maybe I was 13. 13 or 14. My mom's going to listen to this and she's going to know exactly. She'll probably call me and tell me exactly how old I was. But, so I was selling pigs and, well, my pig went into the lot and I asked the auctioneer, I said, can I sell him? And, well, growing up, my mom and my dad used to take me down to the local consignment auction. Stokes Auction was its name. It was located in Port Richard, Washington. And I loved the sound of an auctioneer. And then on top of that, my dad would occasionally haul uh, Coriana Longhorn Crosses to the sale yard in Chehalis, Washington. Not very often, but I did get to go with him a couple times. And same thing, just sat there and I just listened to the auctioneer. And I loved that rhythm. I loved the sound. And so anyway, back to being 13 or 14 you know, I, I grew up listening to the different auctioneers, and and I asked that auctioneer, can I sell my pig? And he said, well, okay. And so I stepped up to the microphone, and, you know, normally when you're showing, for anybody listening that's been in FFA, you know, or 4-H, uh, when you're in the show ring, you're supposed to be, you know, leading your pig around, showing it off and all that. But here I am standing on the auction block, standing there with the microphone, and... I had listened to that particular auctioneer run through the last several pigs before mine. Kind of had a general idea of where to start at. And so I stepped up and I was really nervous and wasn't too sure what to, you know, I I had a general idea, just like I said, from listening to him over the years, I figured, well, I got to keep a rhythm. And so I stepped up and I gave a speech and I said, okay. Here we go, $2, two, how about a two, would you do two now, here now, how about a two, would you do two now, here now, okay, $1.50. And my pig went for, if I remember correct, almost $3 a pound. And after that, that auctioneer told me, he said, you should go to auction school. 
and I said what well, I'd like to at some point. And well, through high school, then I, you know, I really liked it, and I, I'd watch videos, I'd listen to auctioneers, and and I, on top of that, I grew up going to rodeos. I've listened, I listened to Randy Corley, NFR announcer. I listened to um, Hadley Barrett. Listen to a bunch of those different guys. On top of that, listen to some of the best clowns, Keith Isley, uh, Flint Rasmussen, and you know. So I went through high school, and I was, um, like I said, I was still trying to practice my auctioneer chant. I just, I would just sit there and just try to rattle off numbers, and it was just a big jumble. It sounded okay, but not great. And. Well, long story short, I graduated high school and all that, and well, I went to, got hired on with Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, and I moved from Washington to Haver, Montana, and I went through 15 weeks of excruciating training. Uh, I didn't get much sleep, um, and I never had free time. The auctioneering thing kind of got put on the back burner, and... Well, I worked for the railroad for about 17 weeks in total. And, well, I when I came time to take my conductor's test, the first time, I failed it. <laughs> um, so, when you fail it then, you get to take it again, but the second time they send you down to Kansas City. And you go down there and you study for about a week, and then you go back and you retake the test. Now I, I could go on a whole podcast episode about railroad stories. That was that was a cool job, but like I said, you were never home. You didn't sleep much and it was just always go 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 go. Um Well, so I went down to Kansas City, studied, I passed, came back. When I got back and I got off the plane and I went back up to the Haver train station, I walked in to turn in my to show the instructor that I had passed on top, but then also to turn in my expenses. And he said, nice job. Well, now you're furloughed. So they furloughed, the railroad furloughed all of us, and that was in my class. And, well, so I figured, well, I don't know when they're going to call us back. I might as well stay in Montana in case they call me back soon. I moved down to Bozeman, and I got a job in Bozeman. And it was, you know, it was okay. I had, I went through some hard times. I'm not going to go into that, but I ended up moving back home to Washington. And when I got home, the job that I got was I worked for a feed company, uh, farm store, Wilco, Wilco uh, Farm Supply. I worked in the warehouse as a warehouser, running a forklift, and. I was there for about a year. Still technically a railroad employee, but I was furloughed. No work. There was no work. So for about a little over a year, all I did was just work for in the feed warehouse. Well, in doing that, because it was kind of a boring job, and I didn't really have much of anything else going on in my life again, the auctioneer thing kind of came back. You know, just something to do. I'd be stocking feed, just going 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80... Uh, five dollar down there, here, down here, down five. Would you do fine out here now? Hey, 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 how about a ten? And it just, it was something that I was thinking, well, you know, if I wasn't working, if I wasn't 
a railroad employee, that would be that would be the next best thing. And that's something I always wanted to do. Like I said, I love the sound of an auctioneer. I love the sound of well, any of those, like I said, DJs, anybody, anybody that had that great speaking voice. That's what I, that's what I wanted to do. And so it was, I believe, my eighteenth birthday. No, eight Christmas. I was eighteen. No, nine. I was nineteen years old. It was Christmas, and my dad. Uh, Gave me a thing saying that he's paying for me to go to auction school. So, come about, I believe it was April, I packed my bags and I went to back to Bozeman, Montana, from Washington, for 10 days and went to auction school. And it was probably one of the best experiences I had ever had. Not only did they teach you how to sound like a good auctioneer but they taught you the business side of auctioneering and i figured once i got out of there well i want to be an auctioneer i want to that's just what i want to do i want to be a good auctioneer and so i tried to find a couple auctioneering jobs and i moved i went back to washington after the school went back to work for the for wilco and at that point then i had gotten Hired to do a couple of benefit auctions here or there. And then at that point, COVID happened. And everything was getting shut down. Let me back up a little bit. Just before COVID, I got hired on with that Stokes Auction Company that I mentioned earlier. They, right when I came back from auction school, I went and talked to the lead auctioneer. Now, the lead auctioneer uh, is the owner of Stokes Auction. It was started by uh, his business partner's father. So he was like Brian Orweiler, and uh, his business partner was, I can't remember her first name, but last name Stokes, and she was married to Mark Boardman, who was the auctioneer of that pig sale I did at 14 years old. Well, so I showed up to the auction one day and I, I asked Brian Orweiler, I said, can I, I just came back from auction school, uh, can I possibly get a job? I, I just want to work for an auction company, I don't necessarily need to sell. And he said, well, I'm not sure if we're hiring right now, let me, um, you know, I, I'll tell you what though, I will let you sell something. And so while I was waiting, I was walking around and I ran into Larry Stokes, who was the guy who started Stokes Auction. Not only that, but he was a world champion auctioneer. There are competitions for auctioneering, believe it or not. And uh, on top of that, he used to be an instructor for the auction school that I went to. Well, I got to talking to him, and I said, you know, I just came, I just got out of auction school, and I want to get a job working for an auction company. And he said, well, it's kind of a tough deal, you know, you're going to, you really got to try hard. Just you got to start at the bottom and work your way up, and and all that. And so a little bit later that day, the um, they called me in to sell, and I look up and there's Larry Stokes standing there. Now, like I said, he was a world champion auctioneer and an auctioneering instructor. And I started selling. I was extremely nervous. 
I resorted back to just calling numbers, no filler words. I wasn't very fast. I was just going 10, 10, 10, 20, 20, 20, 30, 30, 30, 40, 40, 40. And I said, you know, once I said sold, they let me sell about three items. And they said, well, we're going to get back to it. Thank you. When I stepped off that stage, Larry Stokes walks up to me, puts his hand out, and, he, and I'm going to somewhat try to uh, impersonate him here. <clears throat> Nicely done, kid. And so I, I helped a little bit with that, the rest of that sale as kind of walking around being a ringman. And after that, that section of the sale was done, I was kind of helping them stack chairs and everything like that. And I see Larry and that Brian step out of the room and they're talking and the, well, they come back in and they both walk up to me and Brian goes, well, how would you like a job working for Stokes? And I said, absolutely. $75 a day. Now it was only it was only one day a month, but they would have you come in the day before too. To, so, a hundred and fifty dollars total for two days of work. And I said that sounds great. It was every it was every uh, the first Saturday of every month was when it was. And so I worked the rest of that day, and then they had me come in later that week and. Um, fill out all of my information, and I had to go get a Washington State auctioneer's license. So I did that. So I went back to Wilco then, went back to just my regular job. And right then, that's when the whole COVID bull crap happened. Everything got shut down. Everything just went to heck in a handbasket. And Stokes went to online. And they're still online to this day. They are no longer a open, a public auction house anymore they're online only well so i stayed at wilco for a few more months and then i got recalled from the railroad again so i I moved back to haver went back to being a conductor i worked well i worked as a conductor i worked as a switchman and again it just it wasn't a very good life you know you spend most of the time on the road you spent most time on a train you didn't spend much time at home and when I was home, well, Haver has it and I don't want it. That's the saying they have out here. There's not a whole lot to do in Haver, except to go to the bars. And so I went just about stir-crazy because I, I had to start finding things to do. I got a job part-time just whenever they'd call me to Norman's Western Wear right there in Haver, shaping cowboy hats. And I did that and worked for the railroad. Well, I had no auctions. I, you know, there was. I moved to Mont. I moved back to Montana. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody, nobody knew anything about me. Didn't know I was an auctioneer. Nobody knew. And so, like I said, I started to just go stir crazy. There was nothing for me to do. And I worked for the railroad for about eight months, and then they furloughed me again. So, I moved back down to Bozeman. And got a job for a lumber company out there as a truck driver and went to hauling lumber. Again, there was no, I wasn't doing any auctioneering, I wasn't doing anything like that. Well, I got to become buddies with a bull rider by the name of Mason Reed. He was on one of my previous podcasts uh, talking about hunting. And he also worked for Kenya Noble at the time. Uh, that's the lumber company I worked for. 
And, you know, he, he knew, I had told him that I was an auctioneer and all that, and he, uh, he said, you know, so that must mean you're pretty good at talking. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you, you know, it would be kind of cool. You should become a rodeo announcer. And I said, that might be kind of cool. It kind of ties back into the auctioneering side of it. On top of that, you know, that kind of that radio DJ kind of, it's your voice that people listen to. And, you know, you can kind of, to an extent, say what you want to say about it. And like I said, I grew up around rodeo and, and everything. So I said, well, that'd be kind of cool. So, well, Mason ended up in a rodeo in Miles City, Montana. And he said, you should come with me. And I said, okay. Uh, as we were planning it, though, uh, he said, you know, it'd be kind of cool. You should call them and see if they need an announcer. You should give it a try. Well, so I called them and I said, are you guys looking for an announcer? And they said, well, um, that would be kind of cool. Uh, but can you make it to the slack the day before or that morning? And I said, well, I can sure try. Um, well, we got going kind of late because we were waiting on his girlfriend, I do, <laughs> I believe. Um, sorry, Kaylin. <laughs> uh, which Kaylin was also on one of my previous podcasts. She was one of the barrel racers. Um, and so I ended up calling him back and I, cause by the time we got to Miles City, it was about three o'clock in the morning. Well, they needed us to be there at Slack at seven. And I, so I, I called them that night as we were leaving Bozeman and I said, I don't know if I can make it to the slack. We got going kind of late and they said, well, if you can't make it to slack, don't show up at all. And so I was kind of, I was kind of bummed. I still went, um, you know, Mason rode his bull and everything. And, but after that rodeo, I was kind of bummed out. I was like, well, I don't even know where to begin. And well, Mason said, you know who you ought to call this guy by the name of Bill Clark. He puts on this night rodeo in West Yellowstone. And I said, okay. So I called Bill and I said, you know, I introduced myself and I said, I want to be an announcer. And he said, well, I'm looking for an announcer. He said, uh, you know, you ought to, you ought to come down. Well, at this time it was about April. The rodeo started in June. And at that time we were, um, it was still kind of the whole COVID thing going on. Well, I ended up getting COVID. Mason ended up getting COVID. And so I had to be out of work for two weeks. And there was a big miscommunication with my boss at that lumberyard. And he didn't communicate what we were supposed to do. Um, so due to lack of communication, he told HR that we, you know, just not shown up to work when that wasn't at all. That's a long story, but that's that wasn't at all what happened. And so I quit. And I went to drive in for a shingle supplying company, RNS Supply out of Belgrade, Belgrade, Montana, by the way. And um, so I was working for them, and then I would start to head down to West Yellowstone for those rodeos. And I showed up down there the very first time, and the only thing I could think of to do was impersonate some of the best rodeo announcers I ever heard. So I listened, on my way down there, I was listening to, you know, uh, old NFR tapes. I was listening to um, just old rodeos and whatnot. Oh, and on top of that, let me back up a little bit. So while I was still working for Wilco, when that COVID thing happened, they cut our hours down. 
And so I, I was trying to find stuff to do in between. Well, a family friend of mine by the name of Don Frazier, which, by the way, that's where the where when I say um, live and direct, not on tape, and I always say that one's for you, Don. That one came from Don Frazier. Um, and I'll explain a little more to that. Don Frazier was, he's retired um, now, but he was a darn good rodeo announcer. Uh, he couldn't do it anymore due to health reasons. Um, well, so I would work for him when I was short on hours. He'd have me come over and do some welding for him. And and in doing that, I would talk to him about what would it take to be a rodeo announcer and how to, you know, because auctioneering ties in a lot to rodeo announcing. So I would talk to him, you know, just about having a good sound system and having, you know, what, how to make my voice, you know, nice and clear and how to talk to people. And he would, he was essentially almost like a mentor to me. And, and I would even, well, it's been about a year now. I need to call him and see how he's doing. Don, if you're listening, I'm sorry. (laughs) I promise I'll call you soon and see how you're doing. But I would, you know, if I, if I wasn't sure about something, I would call him and ask him. And he was very helpful. Well, so, when I go fast forward again, back to that very first rodeo, talking, so when I went to go to announce, like I said, I would impersonate, the only way I knew what to do was I was impersonating other announcers. I was impersonating, well, Randy Corley. I was impersonating Don. I was impersonating several others. And, well, Bill Clark, which, by the way, my very first episode, was kind of a test run episode, Bill Clark was who I interviewed. We talked about the West Yellowstone Rodeo. And if you haven't listened to it, take a listen to it on Spotify. Well, so in doing that, that Bill Clark said, I really like your announcement. I want you to keep doing it. Well, I originally told him, I said, I can only do weekends. I can do Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And I originally had a deal with that truck driving company hauling shingles that Thursdays and Fridays I can get off work a little bit early to make it down to West Yellowstone. Well, that company changed over bosses and the new boss wouldn't let me take the time off. He said, once the work's done, you can leave. So there was times when I was getting down to West Yellowstone right before the rodeo started, they would already have the music going for me and I would just have to run up, plug in my microphone and get started and there's even a couple times they had to delay the rodeo by about 10 minutes so that I could get there and I gotta say working for Bill Clark was probably one of the best things to ever happen he's the one that kind of got me started um especially out here and I still work for him to this day I still I still do the West Yellowstone rodeo but that's also helped me get other some other rodeos and I'm still trying to build my resume I'm still trying to make it into the NRA. I'd eventually like to make it into the PRCA. But Bill really gave me that start. Well, so then it got to the point to where, you know, I was trying to get down there Thursdays and Fridays. Well, so then it was a Monday. Bill called me and he said, hey, my announcer that was supposed to be here couldn't make it. Could you make it down here? And I said, sure, I'll, I'll sure try. And so I made it down there, <laughs> announced that rodeo. I would then 
as soon as the rodeo was over, jump back in my pickup and turn around and drive back to Belgrade. And so then it turned into, well, he's also not supposed to, he's not going to be here tomorrow too, which was Tuesday. And so I said, okay, I can make it there for that. So then it turned into every single day I was driving back and forth from West Yellowstone to Belgrade, getting home every night about midnight, then getting up again about 5 a.m. to go back to work, to then get off work, jump back in my pickup and drive back down to West Yellowstone. Well, that got a little too tough. I wasn't, I was having a hard time coming into work on time because, well, I'd get home about midnight, only get about three, four, or five hours of sleep. And so finally, I talked to my boss and I said, here's the deal. I said, this is what I want to do. I want to be an announcer. I want to be an auctioneer. And I, I enjoy working here, but it's way too hard this time of year. And he said, well, take the time, you know, go ahead. You know, he, he said, you got to follow what you want to do. And so I spent the rest of that summer announcing rodeos. That's all I did. And once that was over for the season, I then went and worked for a buddy of mine by the name of Scott Harris, who was a groundskeeper, technically a ranch manager, but they had gotten rid of all the cattle and everything like that. So I, I worked for him building fences and, well, work was coming to an end there. And I said, well, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do now. I I don't necessarily want to go back to RNS Supply. So I got hired on with the distribution yard of Kenyon Noble, which is a separate yard, driving truck. I was running deliveries out of tractor semis. Well, when I went to get hired on, they, um, I told them, I said, well, I rodeo in the summertime. And they said, well, that's, that's okay. They said, you can take that off. Just, we need you here. We'd like you here, you know, in the fall and the winter and the spring. And I could take summers off. So I went and did that. And in between that, I went and worked a couple of auctions up in Glasgow, Montana for a buddy of mine, Kevin Taylor. And... Well, just drove truck. And then come summertime, I went back down to West Yellowstone. And I announced. And well, so then that's how the clowning came in. So I, we, they had a rodeo clown there. And one night it was pouring down rain and lightning and thunder. And they had to postpone the rodeo. We got about halfway through the rodeo. And we had to, we had to take a break for about 15 minutes. Well, it was raining so hard. I didn't want to leave the announcer stand. So I stayed up in the announcer stand, and the clown and Bill went and took cover under, you know, a, a lean-to out there. Well, 15 minutes came back around, and Bill told the clown, he said, Hey, go see if Dustin's up in the announcer stand, and tell him to get going. If he's not up there, you announce. So I'm up there, and here comes the clown. He walks in, and he looks at me and goes, I'm announcing. And I said, what? And he goes, yep, I'm announcing. I said, well, okay, hand me your microphone. I guess I'm going to be a rodeo clown now. So I put on that headset and walked down into the arena. And again, I didn't know what I was doing. So the only thing I did, only thing I could think of doing was impersonating all the rodeo clowns I'd ever seen throughout the years. And I did it that one night and, well, a bunch of people come to me afterwards and saying, you were funny. You should keep doing it. And so I did it for about three weeks straight or two weeks. 
about two weeks. And at the end of the season, well, I was told they want me to come back and be an announcer and a clown. Kind of switch back and forth. And so, yeah. Now let me back up a little bit about how the podcast ever got started. So the way the podcast ever got started, same type of deal as the announcing, was, you know, people would listen to me announce and all that, and I, I, I like to tell stories. I mean, they're, they're all true stories. Let's make that clear. But people, you know, know that I like to tell a good story. So they said, you know, you should start a podcast. You should talk to people. You should interview them and see what... And so I thought, you know, that's not a bad idea. So I went online and bought all the sound, sound recording equipment, the equipment that we're using right now. And, well, my very first podcast, the only person I could think of would, would be Bill Clark. So I sat down with Bill Clark. And I was nervous as can be. If you listen to it, if you go back and listen to it, I was mumbling. I was stuttering. I couldn't even get the intro right. <laughs> um, and so then I published it and posted it, and people listened to it. And, and I've only got, well, this will be episode number seven. Now, I noticed that my second episode is missing. If you look at the numbers, it goes, or maybe it was my third, it goes one, three, four, five, six. I need to find that one and try to re-upload it. I don't know if it got taken down because of, you know, foul language. I don't know if it got taken down because, uh, I mean, who knows what. It violated some stupid guidelines somewhere. Who knows? But I need to re- I need to find it again and put it back up. I, I To be frankly honest, I don't remember what, was the, what that podcast was. I'll have to go back and find it, listen to it, and try to republish it. So, since then, you know, it's just... That's one of the best things. That's one of the things I love about this job, whether it's auctioneering, announcing, clowning, even driving truck, is, or the podcast even, is meeting new people and talking with them. And that's why I like doing this podcast because I get to sit down and talk to people that, you know, normally you don't know anything about, you know. And I try to do it towards local, or not, not so much local, but kind of, well, kind of local, you know, a lot of them are based out of Montana or Idaho, and I just enjoy, you know, the getting to meet new people and hearing their stories. You know, just like how people said, you know, I, how I like to tell stories to start a podcast. I like hearing other people's stories. Everybody's got a story, and I find it to be interesting how everybody's story can be different, but a lot of times they have a similar meaning, they have a similar The end, the end is always generally a positive ending in the sense of they're trying to get to where they are today and they're continuing to try to get better and improve themselves. You know, and I just find it to be interesting how everybody has a different story. Now, let's see here. <laughs> That's the tough thing about doing a podcast by yourself. I lose my train of thought. If somebody else is talking, it gives me time to think about what I was trying to say exactly. But I got to say, too, though, this podcast has been fairly successful. On the publishing application that I use, it allows me to see where people listen 
and who or not necessarily who listens, but like the general areas, the highly populated, the populated, the population, the general area of where people listen. And I gotta say, surprisingly, I have gotten people listening all over the country. Not only that, but all over the world. I get people listening in Africa. I've had people listen in the UK. And I just find that interesting, and I really enjoy that. And I hope to meet some of some people someday that say, "Hey, I heard your podcast. I really like your podcast." Or, "I heard your podcast, and I absolutely hated it." <laughs> but. On top of that, you know, I, I'm still learning how to do this whole podcast thing. I'm still learning how to, well, honestly, I'm still learning how to talk to people, really. It's interesting. You know, my job is to talk. That's three out of the four jobs that I have entails me talking. And it's still, you know, you you still got to work on, you know, how to talk to people. And on top of hearing other people's stories, it's interesting just to be able to talk to people and how to talk to, you know, different people and whatnot. And it's amazing the amount of people that you meet. I was just in the airport yesterday and I ran into, um, wow, Chuck Lopeman, PRCA sound man in the SeaTac, the Seattle Tacoma airport of all places. And I sat and talked with him about music at rodeos. I mean, it's just amazing the different people you meet in the most random places. And well, I could keep going, but well, it's about time to go to bed in all honesty. And it's only 7:50, but I'm getting old. It's tired. I'm tired. <laughs> and uh on top of that, I'd like to thank well, Seems to be my biggest fan. My uncle, Kerry Roberts. Thank you for listening. Every every time I post an episode, he's, he's always texting my mom. Or, you know, always texting my mom asking when there's going to be another episode. Or ask her a question to ask me. <laughs> and, um, you know, thank you. Well, like I said, I can go on some more. But it's time for me to go to bed. So I'm going to play... Let's play it out with another Waylon Jennings song. Just going back to the whole DJ thing. I'm going to close it out. <laughs> hey, this is Rock and Rollin' Dustin D2 Christensen. We're signing off the air. You've been listening to the CB Rodeo Show. Let's play you out with a little bit of Waylon Jennings. Here we go.
Also, don't forget to check us out on, well, just about every streaming service, Spotify, Amazon Music, and, well, pretty much every other one. Once again, thank you for listening. This has been the one and only Dustin Christensen, signing off.